0: Alright, well hey, if you got a Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5 or Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to be going to a couple different places. But today, we're talking about the second fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of joy. How to cultivate more joy in our lives and how to have joy, something that God produces every step of the way. Amen, amen. Well, <clears throat> first of all, there's a huge difference between joy and happy. Happiness can be very easily faked you know i could be having the worst day of my life and just you know i mean the exact worst day everything went wrong and i just walk up to somebody hey how you doing great to see you yeah you know anybody can put on a happy face you know and so there's a huge difference between happiness which is much more of a surface surface emotion and joy in fact One of the definitions of joy is joy lives deeper than happy. Say that with me. Say joy lives deeper than happy. All right? Happiness is temporary while joy is enduring. Joy is not based on the shifting circumstances of life. Joy is based on the solid circumstances of Christ. Happiness is fickle. Everybody say that. Happiness is fickle. Like feelings that sway with good times that go up, bad times that go down. <clears throat> but to a degree, joy is one of those things that God does in us. In fact, I remember once time I heard, I heard a sermon that was called Joy is a Choice. I think it was called, I think it was called Choose Joy. And man, for many years, I adopted that. Today, I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to choose joy. Today, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to choose the joy of the Lord, you know? And I would try to live my life almost as if an angel choir was singing behind me the whole time, right? Trying to just fester up and 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 and, and muster up some joy. But the fact of the matter is, if you got to muster it up, it's kind of like faking it, isn't it? It's kind of like putting on a happy face just so you can be courteous to people around you and they don't have to experience you know some of the stuff that you're going through see i think joy is actually much deeper than a choice joy is something that the holy spirit does in you over time you can choose joy you can unchoose joy but you can't unchoose the holy spirit once you invite the holy spirit to come into your life he never leaves he's that voice that's constantly saying man we need to get you back on the right path you're not on the right path you know oh man i wouldn't go down that road or i wouldn't think that thought or i wouldn't do that thing or i wouldn't smoke that joint or i wouldn't, you know it's that little voice inside your head that's steering you and guiding you trying to get you on the right path to life why because that is the path of joy anything else can leave us, unfortunately, with a disappointing bitterness. Joy does not arise out of a day with lovely, filled people. I remember once somebody said, Boy, Pastor Tom, I would love to work for you here at the church. I bet you that you guys just have joy every day. And I look at him and say, Talk to Carmen on that one, right? Now. <laughs> it's not, joy does not come out of just being, having an easy day Being around lovely people. Joy is not the willful determination to put on a happy face. I mean, yeah, you can fake it, but it takes so much energy to fake it that faking joy will leave you nothing but exhausted, frustrated, and over time, bitter. Bitter. And if I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times. I've seen a lot of bitter people. Trying to fake joy. Joy is not the effect of some good event. Even though winning the lottery might bring us a lot of happiness. And I hope I do if I ever played the lottery, which I don't. But if I did, it would be great to win. But even having some good event happen to you is not the joy that we're talking about here. The joy that we're talking about here is the confident hope and assurance that comes by facing life with God rather than facing life without Him. As a pastor, I often, I often intersect people's lives at the milestones when somebody gets born or a baby dedication, when somebody gets married. And unfortunately, I am often there on their deathbed. And I can tell you right now, I can tell the difference between someone who has joy and someone who has bitterness. And typically the ones who have joy are the ones that have cultivated a lifelong trust in God. A lifelong faith in Christ that they haven't just heard of the Holy Spirit. They're living life in the Spirit. They're living life in the power of the Spirit. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide their lives. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill their lives with power. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill their lives with strength. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to restrain their grumbling. To restrain their complaining. To restrain their anger. To restrain their depression. To restrain their lusts. To restrain all these things so that they can live in the joy of the Holy Where I can tell on their deathbed what path they'd have. Because to every man and woman I've ever seen who doesn't have that, there's the bitter, grumbling, complaining feeling that the party's over. Life's over. They don't believe in a God. They don't believe in the other side. They don't believe in nothing. So they're realizing, wow. I'm a few heartbeats away and the party is over and they are miserable and they become bitter. Bitter at the fact that they were born in the first place. That they had to experience all this joy in life only to have it taken away by death. Whereas when you walk on the path of the Holy Spirit you realize the party only is beginning after we die. Amen? Amen. Some scriptures here uh, in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, David writes, You have made known to me the path of life. See how, see how important it is to get on the path that God has for you, to obey God, to say, You know what, God, you're calling me to this, you're guiding me this way. I'm actually going to do it. I'm not just going to live in the forgiveness of Jesus, I'm actually going to live in the direction of the Holy Spirit. He says, You make known to me the path of life. You ever, you ever been not on the path? You got the Holy Spirit going, oh, 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 let's get you back. Let's get you back. Oh, you're Oh, It's like that little radar that's trying to get you right back on the path. Why? Because there, there is joy. Every other path can produce that bitterness, that excruciating pain, frustration. There is joy, no matter what the circumstance. Because you have the confidence of God's undergirding presence in our lives and in the things that happen in our lives. He says, you make known to me the path look at this in your presence there is fullness of joy let's say it together say in your presence there is fullness of joy of joy and at your right hand are pleasures for everymore. how do you live in the ple- presence of god begin to obey those little inner promptings of the spirit Wake up tomorrow and rather than saying, I'm going to muster up enough willpower to live for God, wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? I surrender my life to God. I surrender my heart to God. I surrender my will to God. Because if our will versus temptation, temptation will win every time. Is surrendering and saying, God, you take my life because I want to be in the fullness where there is joy. Amen. Romans chapter fourteen verse seventeen says, "For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking." How many of you get real happy when you eat and drink? I sure do. I sure do. How many of you tell the truth, shame the devil? You have eaten emotionally before. You know, you're not really hungry, but you're just kind of nervous, or your your you got, you got some feelings going on inside. So, right, 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 right. right, right. <laughs> That's not joy. Those are the surface emotions, sadness and happiness. By the way, I'm not saying for a moment to deny those surface emotions. Those surface emotions are important. They're a part of you. You need to express them. I, I mean, this has been a tough month for me. I lost my car. I lost my fence. I thought my cat ran away. My cat came back pregnant. So, you know, so it's, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and I've I just decided, no, I'm not going to fake it. If I'm, I'm not happy, I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad but I got joy. I'd rather be sad with joy than sad with grumbling. Sad with joy? You can overcome that. Sad with grumbling? Well, people no longer celebrate you. They just tolerate you. Amen? Where was I? Romans 14, 17. (laughs) For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the holy spirit. Eating and drinking, what happens when you eat? What happens a few days later? Well, for me a few hours later. You get what? Hungry again. What happens when you drink. I got hopefully for everybody, it's probably a few hours later I know. <laughs> what happens when you drink? You get thirsty again, right? All those all that all those pleasures are temporary. Paul saying, but the joy of the holy spirit is enduring. First uh, or. Hebrews 1 9 says, He has anointed you with the oil, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, of joy. That the joy of the Lord is healing and comforting, even during the tough times. 1 Thessalonians 1 6 says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word with much tribulation. How many of you, you gave your life to God, and then that next week, it seemed like all hell broke loose in your life, and I mean that literally, you know? It just, everything just started falling apart. You're like, oh my goodness, I just gave my heart to Jesus, and now it seems like my whole world came crashing in. That's what Paul's saying. He says, you receive the word with much tribulation. Man, you went through a lot after you came to Christ. He said, but you also had the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see. Listen folks. Joy is still there. Even when happiness is not. First Peter 1.8 says. Though you have seen him. Though you have not seen him. God you love him. And though you do not now see him. You believe in him. And rejoice with a joy. That is inexpressible. And filled with glory. It's a joy inexpressible because it flaunts and stares the mess of this world right in the face and says, I have a joy inside of me you cannot take away. I do not give you that power. God alone is the power over my life. Amen? And then finally in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. And peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Everybody, if you can, I want you to stand up for a sec. Stand up for a sec right now. Stand up for a sec. Put your hand over your heart. Put your hand over your heart. Close your eyes for a moment. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to fill me with the spirit of joy in my heart right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down. You know why I think it's going to happen? I'll tell you why I think it's going to happen. Because this promises it to happen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. yeah, I guess to a degree it's something we choose. But let's remember it's also something that God fills in our heart. It's something that God does in our hearts. Well, I was many, many years ago now is when I first, first started working at the last church I was at, real big church, and uh, they had had uh, somebody call in, and there was an older lady in our congregation who had just lost their son, lost her son. And it, it was an adult son and an older lady in the congregation. And, and I remember uh, I had what was called the phone whatever. I, I was the pastor on call. But when they got the call, I realized, you know what? I am not qualified to deal with this. I was a young man. I was not a grief counselor. i had never walked anybody through the steps of somebody dying and and it, you know, just the whole the whole heaviness of it. I tried to pass it off. I tried to say, "You know what? I'm not good at this. This is not for me. You need to get another pastor who's more qualified to deal with this." And they all said no. I don't know <laughs> they they all said, "Look, you're never ready for this moment. You just got to get out there and do it." Fine. Okay, great. So I go up there and I show up there and I remember how awkward I felt like I didn't have much to offer and here she is, she's a grieving woman and she accepted me because I had the title pastor and uh, we began to talk a little bit about that and I said, you know what, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a lot of training in grief counseling but you know what, would you mind if I prayed for you? I can pray for you and uh, so she said yeah and i as i began to pray for her particularly in the spirit she began to weep and she began to cry and i began to wonder oh man i'm probably just making things worse i should have just left well enough alone and and she all of a sudden just as i began to doubt myself and 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 know this i'm i'm going there trying to minister to somebody else and all i can think about is me all right wasn't a very joyful person at that time in my life all i could think about was me when i should have been thinking about her and all of a sudden, she began singing a praise song. And I thought to myself, I may not know grief counseling, but praise I know. And I know that song. And I began to sing that song. song called Holy Ground. We are standing on holy ground. We're standing in his presence on holy ground. as an old Ron Canoli song, I think. And, and I knew the song. And I just kind of got in front of her and I took my hands and went underneath her hands. And, I, and you know me, I'm not very touchy. I'm not touchy. I'm not huggy. If this happened, you knew it was the Holy Spirit because this is not like me. I get, amen. I get, I get under her hands and I take her hands in mine and I just hold her hands. And I began say, We are standing on holy ground. And I just began to sing this song. I, I mean, we said amen, and I said goodbye, and I didn't see her much over the years. You know, when it's, it's a church of thousands, it can be a little impersonal, and I didn't have a chance to reconnect with her until about a year or two before I moved down here. I no, I can't. <laughs> I won't do the same justice to it that Ron Canoli could do it, but uh, he's like a big TD Jake's guy, and I anyway. Um, but I remember she, she came up to me and she said, you know, Pastor Tom. I want to thank you for sharing the joy of the Lord with me that day. And I thought, you know what? I have just gotten a great lesson in joy from a grieving widow, a woman who had just lost her son, and she was teaching me about joy. But I learned something about joy that day, and it's stuck with me ever since, that underneath everything that happens in my life, I want there to be a praise song on repeat just going and going and going because ultimately, no matter what happens here, there is inexpressible glory and joy waiting for us in the future. Sometimes it's here, sometimes it's heaven, but it's coming. Amen? Amen. One of the most famous verses uh, on joy found in the Old Testament is actually found in the Bible, is found in the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. And in the eighth chapter of the book of Nehemiah, the Jews are in a very interesting place in their life. They, if you remember their history, God had sort of brought them out from slavery in Egypt. He parts the Red Sea. He saves them. He feeds them. He blesses them. He gives them victory in military. He gives them victory in economics. Uh, They've got David. They've got Solomon. I mean, God throughout the whole way has done so much for the Jewish people. The problem is the Jewish people came into a land that already had uh, a, a gods there, Canaanite gods, and those gods were pagan gods, and they were very sensual and sexual and sort of um, euphoric-type worship. You know, they had you know, perfected uh, alcohol. Alcohol was really refined and perfected in the Middle East during the Canaanite period. They had perfected drug use, they had drug use uh, a lot like we have today, and they had learned the different drugs and how to take them. They, they had had orgies and pornography and pornographic dramas that they would have, and of course their little children would see all this. Uh, they sa- Speaking of little children, they would sacrifice their unwanted children into the fire and they would build temples and have huge orgies inside these temples well eventually although the jews loved god and thankful for god in their lives they eventually began to worship the Baals, the pagan gods of the canaanites so much that the big church the big mega church the temple that they built in jerusalem they began to do all of those pagan things In the temple, the the drugs, the orgies, and all that. And so finally, after a few years, you see in Ezekiel chapter 11, God's watching this, and God finally gets the hint. They don't want him anymore. The Bible hasn't been seen for about two centuries now, and so they have just simply kicked God out of their lives. So God's presence literally moves off of the temple and says it comes to reside on a mountain to the east, which is biblical talk for God is now in exile. Well, to the east, this is where Babylon is. Well, the Babylonians come and very easily conquer the Jews, and they take them to the east, where, ironically, God has already there to some degree. They take them to the east, and they spend 70 years in exile as conquered people. And when they come back, lo and behold, they find a Bible. And they start reading the Bible. God not only predicted what would happen, He also predicted they would come back. He predicted His grace. He predicted His mercy. He predicted His love. And the priest Ezra is reading all this aloud, and the people are feeling guilty. Guilty. Now they get it. Now they see what happened. They're feeling terrible. They don't want to rebuild the temple. They don't want to rebuild the wall. They don't want to rebuild their families. They don't want to rebuild their nation. They are so depressed and defeated by their guilt that they just want to fade into history and die out as a people. And God says, No, I love you. You may have made a mistake but I am bigger than your mistakes. You may have sinned, but I am not afraid of your sins. You may have blown it big time, but trust me, it may have taken you this long to get into the hole. It'll take me this long to get you out. And this is what Nehemiah says in the midst of this. He stands up and he says, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the most famous verse of joy in the Bible, he says, Do not grieve, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites, who were the pastors, they calmed the people saying, be still, this is a holy day, do not grieve. Yes, we blew it, yes, we sinned, but God has come back for us, God has forgiven us, he has brought us to this place, and although there should be weeping and mourning to a degree, there should be great joy. Because God has not abandoned us, even though we abandon him. And he will be with us throughout our future. You see, the presence of God in their lives was the foundation of their hope that one day all wrongs would be righted, all evil would be defeated. And all pain would be overcome. It's the presence of God is most effective when we don't just talk about the Holy Spirit. Don't just think about the Holy Spirit. Don't just say, you know, the Holy Spirit's a good guy. I really ought to listen to him more. But when we say, God, I want to live life with you. When we live in the Holy Spirit. When we move in the Holy Spirit. Where we don't have, well, this is church Tom. And then this is Tom outside of church or this is Tom who follows God, but then there's this guy who really, most of the other times, it's a guy who doesn't follow God. It's when we erase all of those different identities and masks that we put on. And we just come before God, surrendered, and say, Lord, you truly have my life and my heart. Take it. I may take it back, but when I do, let me know so that I can give it back to you again. Amen? Amen. <coughs> couple of things real quick how does the joy of the lord strengthen us the first thing it does is it neutralizes the restless discontent that produces bitterness life if you live long enough in it's going to throw you some things that just are going to sour you if you let it the holy spirit is here to prevent us from getting soured over those bitter circumstances of life the second thing is it deepens every pleasure i'd love to talk to atheists and i love to talk to agnostics and i love when they say man i couldn't follow god god's too much of a prude man god just doesn't let anybody have fun man we got these bodies we got this life and i want to go and party and have fun and i want to experience pleasure and i love smiling and saying you know what you know nothing of pleasure. He said, (laughs) let me tell you about pleasure. And I began to tell them about the pleasures of the Lord, whether they be in the moments, in people, in sex, in food, all these different things. I said, you've never had the pleasure of a pepperoni pizza that when you hold that big juicy thing in your hand, and you know that it was God that provided you for it. And you say, God, thank you for this food. It will not be blessed to my body because it's full of fat and cholesterol and all those other things. But by golly, it's going to taste wonderful. <laughs> and you sink your teeth into that pizza and you know it is God who created the taste buds and the cheese and the sauce and the ranch, and the ranch and the anchovies for all you weirdos out there so <laughs> i'll tell them i say you know what i it, it would dishonor my marriage if i told you what happened in my bedroom but i'll i'll tell you what doesn't happen there anchovies fear shame guilt You know, we have this talk every now and then. What would happen if my wife got pregnant? Well, I have a job. I have a house. I have three built-in babysitters. You know what? Get pregnant. (laughs) What do I hear nine times out of ten from men who are trying to score? Man, I hope I don't knock her up. What pleasure is there in that? The whole time hoping you don't knock someone up. You know, joy of the Lord not only restrains the bitterness, deepens every pleasure, allows us to live in gratitude rather than grumbling. Have you ever watched the news lately? I can't anymore. You know why? You know what they do on the news nonstop? Complain. It seems like every news station I see, they just complain. Every politician, it's like we have sent them, we pay them 185000 bucks a year to spend all day whining and complaining, and I'm sorry, but for the last, like it seems like 15 years of my life, they've done virtually nothing but whine and complain, right? I'd rather live in gratitude than complaining. And then finally, last but not least, it's not something we will into existence. Joy is something over time God produces in our heart the longer we walk with him and the path he has us on. So, A couple of things here to take home really quick and then I want to minister you and pray for you to receive the spirit of joy. First thing to take home is this. Pursue confession over concealment. Hiding something will suck the joy right out of your life. It'll just suck the joy right out of your life. I can't tell you how liberating it feels when you confess something that you know you need to confess. Pursue confession over concealment. Second thing, grow gratitude over grumbling. You know, you saw I was on this trip, right? You know what's interesting? We took, oh, we took 20, 25, 26, I know, unless you can hear them right now. Uh, we took about 26 people. And as I'm meeting and learning about all these kids, I can tell you the ones who have joy and the ones who don't. The ones who don't have joy have parents that try to buy them everything. They got all the latest this and the latest that. And what their parents have really taught them is how to be happy, but not how to be joyful. The, it's the ones who have nothing that I'm like, hey, do you want a 79-cent Snicker bar? And you'd have thought I just got them tickets to Disneyland. They are so grateful. Oh, thank you, Pastor Tom. Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it's those kids that I realize they understand joy. You know why? Because they understand gratitude. They understand gratefulness. If your gratefulness has turned into grumbling, I promise you, you're not living in the joy that God has for you. If, if you find, I mean, just ask yourself, is there a lot of grumbling and complaining going on during your day? Then the joy of the Lord is not your strength. The grumbling and complaining is what you're trying to strengthen yourself with. Grow gratitude. And as you grow gratitude, in all things, in all things, grow gratitude. Somebody gives you something, you say thank you. Somebody does something nice for you, you say thank you. I was at the basketball game. my son's family. I held the door open. Three people walk by. As if it was my job. To hold the door open for them. One person comes by. Thank you man. Thanks. Let me get that for you. I can tell you right now. Those three people. My money is not. My, the odds are not on them having joy. That one that said thank you. Joy right there. Third thing speak comfort instead of complaining we simply acknowledge the joy of the lord rather than give in to fear or complaint or anger and often we began to realize that the joy of god was there all the time that it was just clouded by a fog of fear or bitterness or resentment one of my early mentors one of the pastors i love to listen to early on in life was a man by the name of jerry cook he was the pastor of the portland Foursquare church and He wrote in his book something where he chronicled a time where he was struggling with cancer. And he kind of was talking about how do you have joy when you have cancer? And he said, you know, I realize that people are our greatest joy. Not always the ones that we don't have, but the ones that we have. And he said, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I knew I needed to get out of town, away from the city, and in nature. And this is what he wrote. He said, there I was. All alone, next to the quietness of a mountain stream. A mountain stream at sunset, with only the company of the caddis flies, doing their strange dance above the water. A mother deer with her twin fawns leisurely walking down the path, cutting through the brooding wilderness. A hard-fought sigh came from within me, with only the furrowed brow of the mountains and the distant churning of the ocean observing my pain in the fading silhouette of the canyon i see three young boys closing the gap between a father who knows the hard knocks and heaviness of life and the three boys who are oblivious to life's untiring stalkers of fear and pain and loss and what do i feel I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't know where it come from. I don't know where it's going. But despite everything I'm going through, what do I feel? Gratitude. A gratitude residing even beneath the pain of the moment. A gratitude that resides even beneath the beauty of the moment. It's the joy of God's presence. It's the joy that both strengthens And the joy that restrains. It is the joy of the Lord. Do you want that kind of joy this morning?